When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so another quickfire game week down, which means another quickfire pop from us as this Brighton Spurs game hits full time and brings the curtain down on game week 21. No nick this week because, and this is possibly the goat of all excuses, 5G conspiracy theorists in Chelmsford have destroyed the junction boxes, meaning no internet for him. <laughs> oh man, just when you thought things could get no weirder in the 2020s, that what you get. The dog ate my homer sort of thing of the modern era, isn't it? But yeah, absolutely incredible stuff. In his stead, I guess, it falls to me uh, to say that we are who got the assist. Um, you can find us, or find me, I guess, on Twitter, at WTA underscore FPL. Find Nick, I think he's got about 15% of his data left for the month, at WTA underscore Nick. I'm sure he'll answer you if you tweet him something. Anthony's at FPL Stag. And also on Instagram, you can find me tweeting, uh, actually instering there at WTA dot FPL. And I'm in lead code is CPSULF. Anthony has made it though. How are you? Evening, Tom. Yeah, good to be back again. Um, no 5G mass destruction here in Cork, thankfully, partly because my area isn't actually served by 5G. Um, doesn't even have 4G, to be honest, so 3G. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the national broadband plan does promise, and that doesn't mean they'll actually deliver uh, fibre internet to my area sometime in the next five years. But um, I first heard that promise in about 2008, so I'm, I'm not too hopeful. But uh, enough about Ireland's forever failing broadband infrastructure. And I'll just continue on here, Tether 3G on my phone, which is actually a bit shifty tonight uh, for the listeners back home. But anyway, uh, another short episode for us this time, because we are chatting on a Sunday night and the deadline is at half past four, Dublin, London, Lisbon, Casablanca time on Tuesday. So we'll be focusing on a, a bunch of questions that listeners have sent in off the back of Gaming 21. Thanks, guys. And the foregoing legendary sections, such as the correspondence for just this week. Speaking of correspondence, though, I know it hasn't been on much lately with the short turnarounds that we're having, but we're ready for you to flood the inbox again. And we have, since we have slightly more breathing room coming up in the schedule with fixtures and the like, so who got the assist at gmail.com if you want to send that in, all one word. First things off, though, gaming reviews and market forces. Yes, indeed. Shout out to those Casablanca listeners as well. Barely get mentioned. Um, anyway, let's get on to the game reviews. And um, I'm happily getting on to game reviews this week because I've done the best. Hooray! It barely ever happens, does it? Um, but I ended up with 75 points. And what was remarkable about the 75 points is I had a captain blank as well and also had a no-show. But I know it was a week of like, you know, lots of no-shows we'll speak about in a little bit. I only really had one, uh, which was John Stones. He dropped out and uh, Big Rob Holding came in with an eight-pointer um, after unexpected nil-nil draw of Man United. So, um, yeah, that was nice. Um, elsewhere, Emmy Martinez, another 10-pointer. Um, Jack Grealish with the assist. Patrick Bamford coming back from the dead. Like, really dumb luck I kept him um, because... Kane was initially going to come in for Bamford and obviously Kane getting injured those dodgy ankles meant that Bamford stayed 15 points like sometimes it, it's not about being good it's just about being lucky and uh, Mo Salah as well uh, annoyingly my transfer this week was Vardy to Dominic Calvert-Lewin who I also tossed the armband on and I know that Anthony did the same thing actually um, and he blanked but yeah very unorthodox uh, we end up with uh, 75 points from a captain blank and I'm up to just inside the top 400k for the first time this season, uh, which is a bit embarrassing because I'm on the podcast, but equally I'm quite happy because I've kind of undone the damage of a double game week. So happy about that. Uh, Nick's not here, but he got 72 minus four. Um, did all right this week as usual. Um, he had his vice on Salah. Uh, he initially had a captaincy on Sterling, uh, so it moved to Salah. And as soon as you knew that was going to happen, you knew Salah was going to break his six-game week duck and did so in spectacular fashion. So, yeah, uh, Nick's got a nice little green arrow as well. How would you do, Anthony? Unfortunately, no green arrow here. Uh, 56 points, which it, it's kind of a grey arrow, to be honest, but it is down. I think it's about 20k down. So I'm down from 166k or something to 186k or so, you know, give or take about 5k in those numbers. But that's where we are. Uh, it honestly could have been a complete disaster, though. Um, having spent most of game week 20 with a voodoo doll out trying to get one of my players not to show up, um, I think the voodoo kind of came in all this week instead and had three players missing. So Cancelo, Mr. Clean Sheet there, 
Mitchell, Mitchell missed another clean sheet there, and Saka didn't play. So in came for those, and I'm lucky I had three playing players on my bench. Dallas, who I got the for the fourth time this season, I got a haul off the bench following a five and eight and a seven. Uh, Soufal and Brewster. So they came in. So the, the team kind of really my main scorers were Emmy Martinez, Dallas himself, uh, Diaz. I had Gundogan in there, but I didn't decide to captain him in the end. As you say, Tom, I did go for Calvert-Lewin with the captaincy. And I guess in the context that I was probably going to be Gundogan, otherwise I can't be too disappointed. I did have Salah in my team for 15 points, unfortunately not captained. And that's pretty much it. A lot of ones, twos and threes beyond that. It could have been much, much worse. Uh, I don't have too many lingering coulda, woulda, shouldas. And at least I have, I, I guess I've, I have one free transfer, obviously, going into this week. But what I also have is 10 million in the bank, which is nice to have that little bit of kind of leeway to move off this, even though I was quite content with my side going into this week. Um, I think the biggest problem is something that I just imported, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, because um, Everton did not look improved with the gang all there. And that was a really, really disappointing performance. But otherwise, I can't really complain. Uh, good stuff, good stuff. Oh, I forgot to mention I always had um, Dawson's second bench, but I'm not going to be annoyed about that. I'd always play Robertson over Dawson. But you know, two goals in two game weeks. Who knew? Right, let's move on to the market forces then. And a bit of an interesting one, actually, because obviously, really quick turnaround. And spoilers for me, I'm not particularly looking at moving people on, but I'm surprised to see that Harry Kane is still being sold by so many. I guess some people took a precedent from what Mourinho did with Son, said he was going, to, he was injured, and then we're kind of hoping he'd play. But it sounds like people have now kind of decided, oh yeah, well, time to get rid. Yeah, like uh, Kane is an absolute mile in front in the in terms of players sold. Like he's the he's the only one actually in six figures with 317k transfers out. And then you actually have to go down all the way to Kyle Walker's Peters of all people to 50,000 odd transfers out to get to second. So really, it'll kind of give you an idea that the main transfer activity is in the forwards. And sure enough, uh, it's Callum Wilson who's the most transferred in player this week with uh, the guts of 160k transfers in. And I think that's definitely in response to Wilson's performance on Saturday. And and uh, I guess the Bamford uh, response hasn't necessarily washed through yet, given we're only recording mere hours after that game. Uh, but uh, Bamford is nevertheless transferred in um, fairly popularly, but nowhere near as much as Mo Salah, who is the second most transferred in, with 114k transfers in. Uh, kind of interesting, kind of the players that are tailing off and kind of the wings behind those. The likes of Diaz transferred in by 81,000 people, and that's he's actually third. Um, Mikel Antonio is fourth, 73,000 transfers in. And then really it's a smattering of players, uh, the likes of Grealish, Gundogan, uh, Bamford, as I said, Calvert-Lewin, Watkins. You know, a lot of these players that you know, a lot of us have, the people who just happen to be getting in. Um, yeah. No real rhyme or reason to those transfers. Yeah, and I guess on, on on the other side of it, the sales kind of match up to the, those players being brought in. Um, so with those defensive movers, like the Diaz especially, that's been fueled by people selling off Chilwell, who didn't play today, and Golonzo made his return, uh, spectacularly in fact, uh, to Chelsea's first team. And Kurt Zuma too, a Knicks man, uh, being sold off quite heavily, almost 50,000 sales for both of those guys. And Bukayo Saka um, had a sore hip, didn't play, and uh, he's been gotten rid of um, incredibly um one of those players who's been really, really consistent. I guess people were just waiting for an opportunity to get rid, the likes of um, Gundogan and Grealish, Anthony mentioned, um, getting the shout there for people. But yeah, I'm guessing there'll be a lot more kind of uh, response to that um, over the next day or so, especially with um, you know, Bamford doing particularly well and uh, Salah doing particularly well today. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think really that the transfers this week are fairly predictable and it is just generally responses to what's just gone on and I guess people just jumping away to who they need to get in as far as they're concerned. Uh, there's nothing too interesting to it. Yeah, watch that Salah EO go all the way up. I think. Oh, yeah, it's going to be unbelievable, isn't oh, it? Yeah, he was already the boss Bruno captain for most teams, I think. So, yeah, I think you're looking at a bit like what we had with Bruno Fernandes again yeah, in 20. Yeah. yeah, so it's, it's so, so easily now. Um, one of those, I mean, it was actually quite good to see those points coming from Salah. And obviously, I knew Nick was getting those captaincy points, so always always a bit annoying when he gets those points, especially when it's a, a classic Nick style and it's a luck. But um, I, I think uh, equally, it was nice to have those points from Salah and not be thinking, oh, God, that's going against me. It was nice to still be able to get a gain from those goals. Right, and uh, I guess linked to the premiums... The, Okay, I asked the questions at five o'clock um, today. Uh, this is before everything happened with with Salah. That, that's and five off- o'clock Casablanca time. Just in yeah, case five, anyone's yeah, confused, just, just yeah. in case, just in case, guys. Um, and uh, at the time, I guess there was a bit of discontent uh, around the premiums, um, and this may have changed a little bit now. But nonetheless, it's worth talking about because obviously it's in the script. Let's talk about it. So there's lots of questions about the premium failure. 
FPL Dougal asked if he should sack off all of his premiums as none of them are in form. He didn't say sack. Uh, Mitchell Sterling asked if Bruno and Salah, obviously it was at five o'clock, uh, should be on our out list. Um, both, he said, look a bit piggy banky. Um, and FPL Group says injuries in poor form is making him think no one's essential anymore in this sort of bracket. And Karam Tizer finally said, how long can we be patient with our premiums? Well, obviously the patient with the premiums has de- just uh, uh, been... Uh, lengthened a bit where most Salah's concerned um he's done obviously this evening what he I guess threatened to do the last few weeks I mean he obviously did have those six banks in a row but three goals were ruled out and I was saying to people last week who were lauding the fact that Mane was now the man um well if Salah had that the, the, the goal that was riled out for Salah had stood would this even be a discussion and uh, the answer came there none uh, Anthony, what do you think about the premiums then? Um, obviously, Salah is kind of roaring back into consumption, but that, does, that doesn't change the fact that the likes of Mane, KDB, obviously injured, uh, Sterling a little bit, Bruno uh, and uh, others are not, not in the best of form at the moment. Yeah, like I think they're number one with the premiums and I think we have to recognise that it, it does feel like it's purely coincidental that they've managed to go into droughts that have been as long as they have been like we've rarely seen Bruno or Salah for that matter have droughts as long as they've actually gone through and some of that is just purely to do with just not happening to get penalties that might have just put their points on life support when they were otherwise going through droughts at other times and there is obviously then kind of greater questions about you know the teams that they're in as well and we could point to KDB who maybe could have been finishing a little bit better before he got injured and that underperformance that said, like we are still looking at a season where the premiums are coming out on top. Like the top scorers this season, you've Bruno on 148, and Salah, Son, and Kane all on 143. And then uh, the likes of Vardy, the likes of Mane are amongst the very few players who've actually broken the 100 point barrier so far this season. Uh, Grealish, Bamford, and Wilson are also into that category. Um, so I, I don't think we can really say that premiums overall are underperforming of course now we point look at the actual recent times and you're thinking okay but there's so many other options within these sites and i think that's fair enough too and it is kind of interesting that it isn't the man city premiums that have been performing and it has been the likes of gundawan lately that it would have been of interest Mm. um ditto you could say the same at arsenal where obamiang hasn't been the player we expected to be this season and it's been the likes of saka and smith Rowe that have been the pretty solid options to have in that side and even at united it hasn't necessarily been Bruno Fernandes in these last few weeks um, but like what do you take from it I don't think you can take a huge amount from it personally and I think Salah's returns tonight show us that um, if you look at the underlying data a lot of the premiums are kind of up there like Mane and Salah for example are right up there in terms of shots in the box uh, Aubameyang actually uh, the aforementioned who hasn't really been a thing this season is actually not doing too badly in those underlying stats at this point but you'd be a brave man to jump onto that yet. Whereas the likes of Bruno Fernandes and Son, and I know Kane is now injured, so he's not as big of a point on this, but they are both actually quite low on facts such as, you know, shots in the box. And that gives you an idea, I guess, of how their teams are doing. City, on the other hand, Sterling isn't, you know, flying on any of these underlying metrics, but he hasn't played a huge amount in the last six weeks for a start. So if you're looking at last six weeks time windows, the fact that he has 10 shots in the box doesn't look as bad when you consider he's only played 300 odd 350 odd minutes um and when you look at the fact that city have double game weeks coming up i totally see why people would actually want to bring him in even though he hasn't necessarily been flying at his price tag so far so like i don't know tom like the, 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 i understand where all these questions are coming from but at the end of the day the premiums have this season proven their value i think they will again it's just a matter of picking the right premium with the fixtures yeah i, I think that when it comes to the last six game weeks, you can see where the concerns are creeping in. Um, you said, look at the underlying data. The underlying data for FPL was points scored. So over the last six game weeks, let's look at the top 10. Gundogan, Mateus Pereira, Diaz Stones, Rob Holding, Saka, Harvey Barnes, David De Gea, Lacazette, and 10th, Vincente Guaitar. Um, so those are the top 10 players of the last six at the time that I took this I may have changed a little bit actually um, but at the time I took the snapshot as well the top um, point scoring uh, premium over the last uh, six game which was Bruno Fernandes in 25th I think Salah may have kind of made his way up a little bit now maybe in the teens but it's really been a fallow period for premiums for sure as we spoke about last week with price versus quality like 
that's really becoming to be writ large now where there are kind of these sort of cheaper players who are making their mark. Um, I also had a look at um, Fantasy Football Hub's um, expected points metric. So that's their expected FPL points based on stats. So XG, XA, XCS. Um, and I compared that to their the points they actually scored. And I compared that for, for the following premium players as, as a whole. So Salah, Mane, KDB, Sterling, Bruno, Kane, Vardy and Son. Um, from game week 10 to 15, they outperformed their expected points by almost 43, so 42.8 points. So comparing their expected points versus what they actually scored. Between game week 16 and 21, and maybe this reflects what Anthony said about it being quite coincidental because they'd lost a few of those facets, which meant they kept scoring. The things like penalties as well, a really big boon for these players. And um, they actually underperformed their points actual outcome versus expected points. So they underperformed by almost 33 points, 32.8. So what that means is that we we're in this sort of fallow period, but at the same time, I'm not sure I'd be quite panicking yet. And as Salah has kind of reminded us tonight, um, it's not like, and I feel like I'm taking the Nick position here against myself last week. Um, it's not like these players have been priced highly for no reason. Maybe you could you know, make a case for Aubameyang being a bit disappointing. Maybe De Bruyne, as I've said in the past, been a bit disappointing. Um, but these players do have it in them to come up trumps for you I guess over the course of time and you will always have snapshots from the season where you have weird names like Matthias Pereira Rob Holding cropping up in the in the top 10 over the last few um, but I suspect that over the time these players are going to show their quality um, so I wouldn't be too worried especially when it comes to the likes of Bruno with a fantastic set of pitches coming up um, Salah next week will be everybody's bus captain as we've discussed the final thing here is that between game weeks 10 and 15 I've mentioned the weird kind of bunch of names the top Eight between game weeks 10 and 15 contain the following names Salah, Bruno, Vardy, Kevin De Bruyne, Rashford, Sterling, and Son. There you go. And so it's like that is the thing, isn't it, Tom? Is it it feels like just the fact that all these players happen to be underperforming at the same time doesn't it like January is not traditionally the bad month for premiums or anything. <laughs> yeah, this the is coolest just, month. Yeah, this is just a very you know odd period. I actually looked at some of like other stats more focusing on the teams. And for example, Manchester United, they have been pretty much consistently all season with their XG suggesting that they would score three goals in every two games. So basically an XG for every 60 minutes. Um, And penalties obviously helped this um, all the way through that they managed to keep that up. And now all of a sudden they are vastly underperforming it. Liverpool of late, they have been underperforming their XG as well. And we talked about this last week, how like, how highly unlikely it was that Liverpool were to have blanked for, was it four weeks in a row? In the last six game weeks, sure enough, they're down four on their XG. Uh, compare that actually to Man City, who were up three. It just happens that the premiums haven't been scoring there for various reasons to do with tactics and injuries and all the rest that comes with it. So it's like, I don't think we're going to have a situation where people are going to be going around like I am with a team that's worth 90-ish million for very much longer. And I don't think it's a sustainable way to be at all. And it will wash out quite quickly and we will see the premiums return like Salah did this week yeah and plus it's nice to have the flexibility isn't it because you're able to kind of go oh you know what this guy's now performing all right now I'll bring him in why not um so it's a very unique time in the season and it does happen every year it really really does all right uh, so let's move on to the next question and obviously this week we're not uh, we're aware that it was one of those weeks where things are challenging for people I shared a couple of horror stories on Twitter not very long ago um for example, one guy, um, he wildcarded this week and he found himself with 12 points from his wildcard. And that was a good wildcard too. Like you, looked, was. you, you sent mean, that on earlier and it's a genuinely perfectly good wildcard. There's no illogical moves in here really. So just to kind of make this, uh, read this out, there's a guy called Ashley Howard. Prepare to wince, by the way. I, this is really... He had Ariola in goal. He played him over Martinez. At the back, he had Stones, Cancelo and Justin. So of that entire defence, he scored two points. Um, off the bench for him come, well, Mitchell didn't play. Um, and uh, Eric Peters, one point. He, that was his first third sub. So his entire defence scored three points. Um, his captain was Raheem Sterling, didn't play. His vice captain was Sadio Mane didn't play um his other midfielders were thomas suchek one point bruno fernandez three points and uh, the first sub was saka didn't play and um up front he had antonio dominic Carvalhoon, and lacazette all of them blanked so actually he gets 13 points because he gets one point off the, one point off the bench in, in the guys very pieces geez but, tom you were under reporting his score by 12 and a half percent how could you I've, I've never seen anything like that and i know that a few people have been annoyed and obviously you know, we've had our captaincy blanks and things like that. That was reflected in a few questions this week. You know, um, people were saying 
why do I play anymore? Like, how did you find enjoyment from this terrible game? I was asking a few like very heartfelt threads about, you know, it's like, oh, it's so hard. Like, I, I, I'm just losing my enjoyment, falling out of love with it. It feels a bit, a bit more like a chore. I totally get that. Um, but it's well summed up by Thomas Kuchalski uh, at QChar Design, who asks, is this the weirdest season we've ever seen? Is it an asterisk season? For me, uh, if I go first, I think, you know, COVID plus a squash schedule means the element of the randomness is out of control like uh, sometimes more often than not seeing people um and i'm experiencing this myself i'm having those bad weeks where it's not manager error it's not something we can control it's extraneous factors external shocks as an economist would say which are having the impact so all of those players that i've just read out are missing out on top of that players like you know like chillwell even dire the last game that's just creating a huge maelstrom and a lot of managers who have a lot of these players and they're all logical fit picks they're in that kind of horrible sort of compound differential one percent where all of these players are all missed out and you're left out with absolutely nothing and um, but is it an asterisk season hmm, i don't know like with fpl you always need a little bit of luck and um as has been widely tweeted there are two individuals in the fpl community who are probably the most like, famous individuals and you'll probably know them if even if not part of the community in fpl general and uh, andy let's talk fpl who are both in the top 5k um so i mean it's not the case that everybody's doing badly you're always going to find people who are you know, demonstrably good players doing demonstrably well um it's just the case that sometimes you do get things going your way and things not going your way i'm not saying that these those guys are completely ridiculously lucky um but they are very good players who have managed their teams incredibly well and um you know nick was in a very good position not, not long ago as well and we know loads of people as well who are who are doing pretty well despite the season being quite tough it's tough for everybody and you will get a tough week um if you're not enjoying it, of course, step away, have, have, some, have some time out. And it can feel like a chore at times, especially with the quick turnarounds. But, I mean, is it the weird season we've ever seen? Yes, of course it is, because of how weird things have been. I mean, Project Restart was just kind of the, the prologue to what the season has become. Um, but it's almost the case that you kind of revel eventually in the weirdness of it and just kind of think, well, I've had a bad week, but the next week is just 24 hours-ish away, so I can probably deal with it, right? I mean, Anthony, how are you finding it? Is is it the weirdest season you've ever seen? Uh, it, it, like, of course, it's a weird season in many ways, but like the Leicester season felt extremely weird when that happened as well, um, because suddenly the, yeah. the whole entire price structure of teams just completely collapsed. Likewise, when uh, Deli Ali and Harry Kane broke through, it was kind of a real kind of like sudden skew in how teams were set up and, and, and so like there's always going to be some sort of bizarre externality that affects teams and I think this year more than anything it's been injuries and it's been COVID that has obviously done that um I do think that yes Project Restart was a bit of a, pro, a prelude to this but at the same time Project Restart I felt was actually much more difficult to manage if you if you got Project Restart wrong at the start which uh, narrator I did then it was very, very hard to recover it, obviously the short time frame, but also just because you were just weren't set up for it. Whereas I feel this season, because people could learn from the mistakes of the early season, I feel like those people are now starting to make progress as their quality shines through. Like for the likes of Andy in general, obviously they nailed the start of the season and they've managed to continue that momentum upwards. Uh, Chief is another person to be very well known uh, in the FPL community who's up there around the top like 3K or so, was top 1K a week or two ago. And, you know, these people are just have, they nailed the start and they've kept that momentum going. I think the three of us to lesser and greater extents all had a slightly slow start compared compared to the likes that we've just mentioned. But I think we're all getting it together bit by bit. And I think, I think most people could say that. And of course, like the, the, there are serious ups and downs every week where you're missing players like you'd never expected and captains are blanking and teams are just suddenly underperforming on metric rates, you know, the the likes of the United losing to Sheffield United, uh, United losing to 6-1 to Spurs, Spurs overperforming on XG like monumentally for multiple weeks, uh, the Villa-Liverpool game, of course, as well. So there are also like really, really odd things that are happening, but I feel, nevertheless, those are affecting everybody. And over time, I feel like that's kind of evening out. Like even in my own captain picks, whilst there have been some complete howlers in there, I'm still at 320 points on my captains for the season and hashtag points to that. But like, that's not too bad. I think I had 400 and something total captain points for the whole of last season. So for whatever reason, I'm finding that particular aspect of the game a little bit easier this season. Um, so 
overall is it the weirdest season we've ever seen yeah but maybe just for it's weird in different ways to other seasons but every season is unique it's a bit like you know harry potter's few years at hogwarts that you know something happened every single year and you know harry finds his way through and you harry will also find the way through you're a wizard's fpl manager and um, i think that's <laughs> definitely um definitely true that every season takes on its own character doesn't it you always remember it as being the something season um, yeah this is this is like prisoner of azkaban with the dementors <laughs> it's like it's kind of the half-blood prince where nothing is as it seems um anyway let's move out of potter weirdness into something else reliability and um, probably loosely linked to what we've been talking about anyway uh but friend the pod james Carroll asked who are the three most reliable players in fpl right now uh this is quite an interesting one because it's like a spectacularly boring answer um for me I had a look at earlier on, as I mentioned, those kind of uh, the, the top 10 point scorers in FPL over the last six. Uh, Gundogan, yeah, he's obviously had a few sort of moments, five goals in the last six. That's obviously very, very good. Um, uh, would you trust him as being reliable, though? Maybe not. Uh, Matias Pereira, oh, again, four goals and one assist in the last six. Would you trust that being reliable? Mm, I don't know. Instead, your focus kind of settles for me upon the, the next three, who are uh, John Stones, I know he didn't play this week, um, Ruben Diaz, and Rob Holding, really? Well, the thing is, is that Rob Holding, funnily enough, has got five clean sheets in the last six. Yeah, and he scored 41 points during that time frame, and he's only cost 4.5 million. And uh, obviously, we know what um, Stia, Diaz and Stias, the Stones and Diaz, a portmanteau I just put together to, to uh, supplement those, to, to define that partnership as a name. Um, but we know what those guys bring to the table, but they have been consistent, right? They've been banging out these clean sheets left, right, and centre, mainly due to the fact Man City's like XGC has just been ridiculous. Um, it still blows my mind, the fact that over the last six, I've only conceded two big chances. That's ridiculous. Like one big chance in season every three games. That's just monumental stuff, isn't it? Uh, five clean sheets in the last six. So that's obviously you know, similar to Arsenal somehow in terms of defensive stability. Uh, but still one of those things that you should bear in mind. So oddly enough, it's three defenders right now. It's not always going to be that way. We know it's not always going to be that way. I mean, between game week 10 and game week 15, you were looking at the likes of Salah, Fernandez, Vardy being the top three point scorers at that time. Um, but yeah, right now, which is uh, how uh, Jada uh, phrased the question, it has to be those defenders, I think. Anthony, any advance on that? It's hard to argue with that. And I think I picked out Ruben Diaz as kind of my hat tip to defenders as a response to this answer. I didn't want to like just name three city defenders or just some of the other ones that you kind of named as well. Uh, Diaz, of course, like five returns in a row, seven week game weeks where he's returned in the last eight. There was one of those where he did get two returns in one game week as well, which uh, tells you just how well he has been doing. Now, maybe just expanding the focus a little bit, I felt like Jack Creel should be thrown in here. And of course he hasn't, He's not as reliable yeah, as Diaz in that sense. But I feel that it almost seems like no matter what Villa do, Grealish is going to be somewhat involved. Uh, Talisman theory writ large, in a good team, constantly involved. He's one of the few players who's kind of really up there in terms of both goals and assists. Six goals and 11 assists this season. It's only a few players who'd have you know more goals and assists combined than him this year. And they'd be amongst the real elite players that you'd be... Uh, talking about in there and and then after that you know I, I really do feel that I'm going to still put Mo Salah as my third reliable player here and I know that that does not match up with what we've seen in oh, recent weeks recency bias it's a narrative it's a narrative it's, Anthony it's a narrative but, uh, I, but it's, you can do it's yeah <laughs> but it's just it's the history actually that's getting to me you know it is the history of the Mosala as uh isn't I'm history sure. a narrative Anthony <laughs> it's the, it's yeah exactly yeah um as Giorgio Clini would probably say about uh Mosala if he was saying it but like that's that's who I feel is probably you're a reliable player with fixtures that are coming up um he's going to play and it seems like, you know, he's not going to get that rest. And I've, jin- I've jinxed him now. Uh, enjoy the break. But I do feel he is right up there as amongst the, let's say, the premium players. I feel he's the most reliable one in there right now. Son plays for a team that doesn't attack. Can't trust it. Bruno Fernandes, very reliant on penalties. Um, is providing to quite a few players who are like getting the chances. Mm-hmm. They're just not quite firing. Um, yeah, Cavani, absolutely. Rashford, you throw into that category as well. And Anthony Martial, of course. Um and your other premiums then are, up, are either injured or Raheem Sterling, who just it just hasn't quite happened for, but still isn't doing terribly this season. And so, therefore, it kind of just defaults to Salah. 
Yeah, I know what you mean. I think that if if I was going to not talk about just defenders, it has been one of those periods. I think where the the tiredness and the mounting sort of uh, legion of games that players are asked to play does lend itself to defensive solidity. Like either you've got kind of a boring stalemate, or you've got what we sort of a Leeds game where things sort of do kind of hit a bridgehead, and suddenly a few goals do get scored. And if it was going to be a midfielder, um, obviously I'd say Salah. And I don't know, I would I would speak up for Fernandez a little bit here, just because the next four are so good of Southampton, yeah. Everton, West Brom, and Newcastle. Like you've no think- no top six sides has better fixtures than Man United yeah, by a distance. He's still doing the stuff, isn't he? Let's face it. I mean. Third uh, for chances created over the last six, top for shots over the last six. Um, I mean, admittedly, in terms of the XG, well, actually, no, there's no, there's no ambition needing to be made. He's still third for XG, um, and he's still uh, top for expected assists as well. So, I mean, he's still doing it. As you said, there's, the players just aren't able to finish their dinner with him. Yeah, maybe... actually, one thing that's interesting with Fernandez, I know you're saying top for shots, but if you sort your grid by shots in the box, yeah, suddenly he but... falls way further down the list than we're used to seeing him. Mm. Um, he's only had eight shots in the box in the last six, uh, 25 shots in total. So, like, we know that Fernandez is the type of player that shoots from distance, but the percentage of his shots that are coming from distance, um, certainly just from like never having, you know, paid a huge amount of attention to it, but always knew he was getting at least double figures in the box, you know, a chance or two every game. That's not been the case recently. Um, lack of penalties is part of that. But I also feel that United's overall form is part of that too. Yeah, just to have an eye test wanker moment. I did notice when I was watching him, like how far withdrawn he is at the moment. I think he was popping up all over yeah. the pitch, but he was popping up all over the pitch in not in the in the final third, like in the middle third a lot of the time, uh, which isn't really where you want him to be. And then perhaps that is the conduit to why he is having a lot of those shots outside the area, which is leading to a lesser quality, like perhaps of shot, and why he's kind of taking that more kind of creative role for them. He's trying to make things happen, um, and it has been a bit sort of like it's constipated, hasn't it recently? Yeah, um, and that's look. That's an unfortunate thing. It kind of reminds me of Kane or Rooney, both you know the types of players who had to really track back sometimes to just make things happen in their sides for whatever reason. Yeah. Fernandez, he's the type of player, and you see this in his defensive contribution as well. He's the types of player who really feels the need to affect the game in every aspect, and um, yeah. won't let it drift by him. And so you know he gets back. It reminds me actually a lot of Rooney in that sense. Yeah, I think against Arsenal there was a point where you know, people were saying he's on a mission to get a yellow card here and it, it just, he just looked so aggressive because of how frustrated he was getting. Um, I think kind of you touched on Jack Grealish there. Let's take a question from Erster08 who said, you know, he's looking for a mid-price midfielder and asked, is Grealish basically a no-brainer? Um, I think you know, taking all the stats you've mentioned in mind and taking the eye test in mind I'm, I think it is a no-brainer isn't it I mean he's already beaten out last year in terms of goal involvements uh, six goals 11 assists he's gotten this year eight goals seven assists last and he's always in the round in the data and um, 18 chances created three big second for XA over the last six uh, one thing though and um, I guess one of prompted me to remember to put this question in here was that he's also stopped shooting a little bit in the last six um, so between t- games 10 and 15 he took 16 shots um, but from in the last six game weeks, he's only taken five, so he's taken on a more of a provider role, I guess, for Aston Villa. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, watch them play. Um, he is the guy who makes things happen, and it's very difficult to go about that talisman. What do you think in the mid price area, Anthony? I think, yeah, just maybe on Grealish for just a second. Yeah, I do think that Villa's focal point in attack has changed slightly. With Watkins, has obviously got more into their game, but also between. Between uh, El Ghazi and Bertrand Traore, they've kind of got a, a second and third designated shooter there that they quite frankly didn't have last season when it was kind of almost Grealish or nothing. Like it was kind of hilariously um, kind of skewed towards him when they were getting forward. So I think that definitely contributes to that. Nevertheless, I still think that Grealish is probably your best mid price midfielder option in there. Even if you're to look at the fixtures, like Villa's fixtures aren't bad in the next while. And to be honest, Grish is the type of player that you would expect could score against anyone anyway. So you've West Ham, Arsenal, Brighton, Leicester, Leeds in that run. Um, but then expanding this just a little bit more, like the heroes in terms of XG in the last six are the likes of Saka, Barnes and Zaha. And I would look at, I personally have Saka in my team. I know he missed a game, but I would personally look to him I think he's quite a good option for his price tag he's incredibly important to that Arsenal team and he's he's very very good um like which I know that's a fairly basic statement to say but honestly he's brilliant I don't like I wouldn't say the same thing for example of Harvey Barnes who nevertheless has very good stats and is a very good player but he's like Saka is just like so skillful so able so capable in both of creating and um, actually shooting himself and uh, Wilfred Zaha is actually up there in terms of XG as well but with Palace underperforming 
um, it really de- like with Zaha, you need to believe in Zaha yourself. It's like believing yeah. in Santa or something. It's like you've <laughs> just got to believe in him to deliver the goods because nobody's going to do it for him. Uh, shots in the box, boys. Then you're looking at the likes of Gundo, uh, Foden, and Saka is coming up there again, and like that's that's Saka to a T really. And so I think if I was to say a second one after Greedish, I'd point to Saka. But obviously Gundogan with the way City are and they have double game weeks coming up and he's on penalties I think you'd be silly not to put him into your side when he's as cheap as he is with Gundogan you've basically got a cut price Kevin De Bruyne he's taken the same positions he's trusted to do the same thing that Kevin De Bruyne was he's not going to be the same player Kevin De Bruyne is he's uh, I think materially you probably say that Kevin De Bruyne is an A star player and Gundogan is an A player um, but equally I mean million years now, 5.5 I picked him up at. Wow, what a bargain that is. Obviously, the the fixtures are toughening a little bit for Man City, which will probably be a bit of a drawback for some people. So Liverpool, Spurs and Arsenal await um, after the Burnley game. However, these are the sorts of games that you do own these players for because they are the ones who make a difference. And maybe De Bruyne will be back as well, by the way, for Liverpool or Spurs. Um, yeah, and I see what you're saying about Gundogan. I mean, a few other players as well. Um, I mean, you mentioned Zaha there. Yeah, you've got to believe in a thing called Zaha. Um, but the next few games are very, very good. Perhaps their best run of the season. Newcastle, Leeds, Burnley, Brighton and Fulham. Um, you've got to imagine he's going to pick up the bulk of his points there. For what it's worth as well with Gundogan, sorry to cut across you, Tom, is that with, uh, like, let's say even you mentioned the Spurs game in Game 24. Number one, Gundogan has actually thrived in games where City have been up against compact defences and he's been the type of player who has actually managed to, you know, make the an attacking contribution that actually wins them the game. And we've seen that quite a few times in recent weeks. And it's easy to forget as well that that Game Week 24 looks like it's going to be a double Game Week for City as well, with either Everton or Southampton in there, neither of whom are pulling up any trees at the moment. So, all right, you have a tough Liverpool game in there. And the Arsenal game, statistically looking at their defence and look, listening to Rob Holding with his five clean sheets and six, that's not going to be an easy game for them. But as you say, uh, he is being relied on to be the big game player and don't let his price deceive you um, and look back to last week's pod if you want to hear about uh, not letting prices deceive you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there's also uh, if you are going to let the price deceive you and you want a little bit more they're going to spend a little bit more um, there's also the Chelsea players we've got a few questions on them we, same advice stands as last week which is uh, just watch and wait as you saw with the lineup this week things are going to change a little bit under TT as he tries to kind of figure out what the hell is going on uh, Spurs next is not a time to invest um, but after that they've got Sheffield United Newcastle and Southampton in short order so it could be the time for players to come in for you Um just bear in mind that there's going to be a lot of rotation in the early days it sounds like and finally there's those Leicester players um, obviously the Leeds game has now passed them by, so maybe we're not going to be as interested as we were. Um, but Mandy and Barnes are still projected to do fairly well over the next few. Uh, they've got Fulham and Wolves coming up. Um, Fulham, um, well, both those teams are actually a little bit tighter than they were. Um, so I think maybe interest is probably a little bit lower now. Madison has stopped his scoring streak to get an assist this week. Um, Barnes, headless chicken, his way to scoring a goal. But the rest of the game, he was a bit rubbish, so Nick was wrong. Anyway, let's move on to the next question. Um, and uh, I think that this one is oh, about the defence. So, um, yeah, I kind of mentioned it a little bit. Um, but it's been rumbling for a while. Um defenders now where it's at because we are looking a little bit template going forward we the engaged community uh, Matthew Halliday says that exactly our defenders now where it's at score points he mentions Cancelo he says yeah he didn't play this week but surely he's not of interest for us uh, Free Fiddy uh, mentions Alonso is he back Linked to this uh, FPL pragmatists ask in defence look, look good um, to invest in the short term Um so over the last uh, few game weeks, actually, it's been the midfielders marginally um, who have done a little bit better. Uh, so over the last six, 19 out of 50 of the top scorers have been midfielders, 38%. 18 out of 50 of the top scorers have been defenders. Um, so really, really close between the defence and the mids. Um, and I guess, you know, defence is the way to go just because you can probably guess most people's team at least the front seven right now uh, so maybe it is that difference in defense which is the way to go and you know players like rob holding have done very very well for me over the last few game weeks as well as double assist defense which I've, I've got in last week and that's been quite nice but anthony what do you reckon here yeah so i guess i've kind of um just looked at the underlying stats for sides to try and maybe 
kind of bring people into the future with the defences um, because I think we all know who's done well recently and it's basically City and Arsenal and then kind of from there it's kind of a random smattering of teams who've happened to get clean sheets but have no, been nowhere near as tight or not as tight anyway as the likes of Arsenal and City like you, you mentioned the fact that City only had two big chances conceded in the last six you've got to underline that again you know like seriously guys two big chances in six is really ridiculous so having that city double up uh, makes an awful lot of sense uh, and i guess no matter what then you're because of the price tags of those players you're already starting to talk about a big at the back type setup um arsenal five big chances conceded in the last six so that's less than a big chance per game for the st- statisticians out there uh, which obviously is uh, pretty good too but then after that i was trying to figure out like who else has been having who's been performing quite well and if you look at shots conceded in the box for example west ham are actually the second lowest um so just uh, city there which like okay like cresswell for example has been just continually churning out points be they through clean sheets and be they through assists and that's been really interesting obviously west ham's fixtures aren't as good as they have been of late uh, but at the same time I think he, as an individual, is worth talking about because of just how consistent he is managing to be. And so I would talk about him. I wouldn't quite go to the uh, Harry Potter screaming, he's back about Alonso just yet for our, another Potter reference because like, we just don't know what's going to happen with that Chelsea team. But it is a fact that Chelsea's underlying defensive statistics obviously now straddling both the Lampard and Tuchel eras but their underlying stats for the last six game weeks are quite good there's three clean sheets in there but just in terms of shots in the box you look at XGC uh, big chances conceded they're pretty good they're pretty good but they're not brilliant now one team that are in there and they're obviously cheap and cheerful is Crystal Palace and um, in their defense you don't need to believe in Zaha but you kind of need to believe in group because there is no standout individual option in there um, unfortunately, Mitchell looks like he might be dropped again. The you know the confidence that he had earned his place in the side and was going to stay there has uh, fallen out of me completely. And so that means if you're looking at a Crystal Palace defender for what are objectively the best fixtures uh, in the league with Newcastle, Leeds, Burnley, Brighton and Fulham coming up in their next five, uh, for a team who, for example, in clean sheets have, conce- have a three in the last six, their big chances conceded and things are not bad. They're in single digits, which only about five or six other teams can say. Um there are some good options in there um, and that they definitely wouldn't be big at the back options, but they'd certainly be, it seems, effective options. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And um, Chris Palace were the one that I'd have highlighted just because, as I said with Zaha, they've got that nice little run of bother-free fixtures, which are always what you're sort of looking for, right? Um, and as you saw against Wolves, um, they're pretty good now at kind of, um, you know, it comes to that point in the season now where the drilling uh, that, Rod- that Hodgson kind of does in force is coming to the fore. And they'll be looking at these next few fixtures and thinking, yeah, this is where we generate the majority of our points to get our 40 to stay up. Um the only one I would I would have highlighted as well would have been West Ham, and um, just because the next three are all games as well where they've got the data in terms of it's better clean sheets. I mean they're fourth for it's better clean sheets um, over the last few, um, and um, they've got the next three um, Aston Villa, Fulham, and Sheffield United. But they may be thinking, yeah, okay, you know these are, these are quite decent games just to get to that sort of forty points, and then we can go on the beach, lads. Um, so my man Dawson, uh, who I did second bench this week. Um, Obviously, a set piece threat, um, as you mentioned, uh, Cresswell, um, and uh, obviously the ever present Shufal. Um, still, you know, I could have had an assist tonight, um, for sure, well, this afternoon for sure. And every game, I feel like he does create a couple of chances that are serviceable. And they've got this sort of ability, on, especially when it comes to set plays, to uh, score you points, be it through the provider in Cresswell or be it through the goal scorer in, uh, in Big Mike Dawson. Um, so, yeah. A, nice cheap defense there that you can have a look at um yeah um there's always going to be options in this game um, and i think that those two specifically if you're looking for someone to buy in um cheaply would be a good one the other one to keep an eye on uh, just to say quickly is uh, antonio rudiger at chelsea i think he'll be probably um one of the bargains of the season uh if um, he does co- continue to command that place um said last week that um, he uh, Tuckle tried to sign him at PSG. I think it probably is probably still the case that he's going to be rejuvenated a little bit under him. Obviously Spurs next, but after that they've got Sheffield United and 23, Newcastle and Southampton. Uh, three fixtures they'll be expected to get free clean sheets from. Um, so, yeah. It, it, it is insane, isn't it, that we might well have of the, you know, I would say that Arsenal would seem to be a top six side again as on, let's say, underlying form at the moment. Yeah. Um, so we might have 4.5-ish options in both of those kind of top six defences 
which is actually insane when you think about it. we also have Stones, who's quite a cheap option in the city defense as well. It's um it's an, it's a good season for generating a you know very efficient points in defense. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm, I'm playing um, for example, I'm probably going to play Rob Holding uh, this week over uh, over Suchek just because we've got Wolves. And Wolves just don't seem to be able to score for love and money at the moment. So there you go. All right, moving on to transfers and captains, actually. There's a good question from Conley from McVeigh, um, who asks, who should we be captaining uh, this week? Obviously, again, this was written at five o'clock uh, when it was all a bit up in the air. Now the answer is Salah. Um, is there any point in even talking through the rest of the options, Anthony? There probably is. I'm sure there is somebody out there who's set on, you know, Cancello captaincy or something like that. Um, but it's probably another another of those Bruno-esque weeks, isn't it, where EO is going to mean that we just go with it. Yeah, and I, I think it's a bit like with Bruno a few weeks ago that if you really want to derive any benefit from Liverpool having a particularly good fixture, it's probably you're going to need to get another Liverpool player in to do that. Uh, it kind of feels like that type of fixture. And I know Brighton underlying data would suggest that they're not too bad, but you know, just big teams continually find a way to beat them. And <laughs> that's obviously not Spurs this week, but we're talking about big teams here. So I would suspect that Liverpool will um, be just fine against them. And I, I can't see past him. Like, I, I feel like it would be almost negligent of me to start suggesting other options. Tom. Like that we're, we're in that sort of zone where it's like, I could say that Fernandez, for example, is playing Southampton at home. And I could say that Southampton's defense hasn't been brilliant of late underlying data or otherwise. That would mean that I would be encouraging you to captain someone that isn't Mo Salah against Brighton at home, and yeah. I can't do that. Good luck to you, and well done if it works out for you. If you've gone elsewhere, yeah, like there's gonna be there's gonna be someone with a yeah, you know absolutely. Mathis Pereira captain this weekend that you know does outperform Salah somehow or another. I mean, you know, he could do it. In fairness, it's against Sheffield United, but I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't even think you should bring him in. <laughs> is is this just <laughs> symptomatic of us being so you know in, down the rabbit so far down the rabbit hole? that we're looking at these things. I mean, there was a really good point made in the hub group, for example, by Sky Player and FPL Paul, who said that, you know, I, I don't look at these things. I don't look at EO. I just kind of think, you know, I'm going to do what's best for my team. And sometimes it is taking the pump. I used to do that in the past before I learned what EO was. I mean, sometimes it's to our detriment, obviously, you know, um, because you, as we saw with the Bruno week, um, people did have an absolute field day. But I mean, it's not always going to work out that way, is it? And that's the way I always look at it, that the cold light of day is going to be that eventually the most predictable thing that's going to happen is going to happen. And in this case, it probably is going to be that Salah is going to be a more than capable captain against Brighton. Uh, so why have complicate it? I mean, use other ways to do things this week. Um, moving on to the transfers as well, that I'm not, I'm going to use this week to roll as well, just because there's been so much rotation this week. I'm guessing that the players who have been rotated out are going to rotate in this week. So I'm suddenly going to find myself with quite a full team. Um, and it's probably going to be that way even more uh, for people who have had more kind of dropouts than I have. So it's a good week to just consolidate, I think. Um, obviously, you can be aggressive in some weeks. Um, and as but I said a few weeks ago with this sort of thing, when the EO is high for a particular player, you've got to pick your moment. If you truly believe that another captain's going to be better or it's worth taking that transfer to do something to fix a gaping hole and do it. But I wouldn't, you know, I, I think this is a, it's a good week to be conservative is how I'm looking at it. What about you? Yeah, I'm counter transfer wise. I, I think definitely what you say about the players who rotated out, a lot of them will rotate in this week and Cancelo is probably one of those. I am monitoring what the hell's going on with Demi Mitchell and or with Tyrick Mitchell and with Bakayo Sako. Just look, I this is a good chance for me to move out Saka if I wanted to, because if he isn't going to be able to play for let's say two, three games. I know I've picked him up as a good mid price midfielder, but if your injury news is that he's going to miss the next three games, then Personally, I feel like I will, you know, work to get someone else in because I have 10 million in the bank. I can turn him into literally any player in the game. Um, so I think I would make the most of that opportunity if I, you know, felt inclined to do so. But likewise, I might do the same with Tyreek Mitchell. Um, but there is no, let's say, obvious option that I'd be bringing in. Like I might bring in a Chelsea defender if we got some sort of um, understanding of what was going on. But this wouldn't be the week to do it for Mitchell. I'd just roll if I was bringing in a Chelsea defender and wait one more week because I probably wouldn't start them this week anyway. So, you know, to cut out a very long answer short, I'm probably going to roll my transfer. But if there's any sort of doubt about any of my players, I'm in a pretty good position to move them on and to kind of kind of get going actually with having a valuable team again because I've, I very much had a team for the fixtures and a team for what was going on and how I was going at that moment. And 
this week has made me feel that maybe I'm in the wrong position. Calvert-Lewin is actually another player who, after one game, I'm like, oh man, you are on thin, thin ice after that disappointment uh, against Newcastle. Um, but I think with Leeds coming up, yeah, uh, I, I'll, I'll give him his chance. Like, you know, Leicester at the end of the day, like, I know they only scored once, but I feel like they kind of left, they left an opportunity slip there to score more than once for sure. So yeah. uh, with, with that in mind, it's kind of like, oh dear, I'll, I'll give him one last go to find some way. <laughs> I know we've said about um, not making transfers, but uh, uh, Nick's just messaged to say he's going, uh, he will probably make a transfer because he's looking at moving out Shea Adams, but Deadwood and replacing Kim Fantonio. And we know, I know as well, we've said that we should probably default to Salah. He said that I'm seriously considering Raheem Sterling again this week. Um, uh, I think, again, it's like the rotation, he'll rotate back in again. And obviously, they've got the game and they there's a regulation 5 0 loss uh, for it, it, Man City. So I, it makes I, sense. It really makes sense. I'm looking forward to Nick's. It was all a ruse video um, in the aftermath. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the other thing as well, I forgot to mention too, in terms of rolling my transfer this week, just to confirm. Um, I'll be rolling it because um, next weekend is Man City Liverpool. Um, and I have Andy Robertson and I've got two, Liv- I've got two uh, Man City defenders as well and Mo Salah. I'm probably going to keep the two city defenders and Mo Salah, but probably will move on Robertson. He can piggy bank it. I've got a huge big bank as it is. Um, but um, I'm hoping that it will do what Anthony was saying about having that second Liverpool player to supplement the Salah income and give me a bonus. Yeah, I'm quite, I'm quite envious of you having him now. It's one of the few weeks I have been of late. I'm looking forward to getting rid of him. He's a Kilmanist turd that I really want to flush. Like, Whoa, geez, this, he's, is, like he's top, so, this is the top he, defender in the game. I know, but he's 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 been so annoying though the last few weeks. Like I think the last return I got from him was quite some time. It's uh, game week nineteen. There was a, a yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the last return I got from him was the clean sheet against Man United, and the last attacking return was game week fourteen, the seven 0 Exactly. Um, so I've That's not had him for an awfully long time from him. He's just kind of ticked along okay. Uh, but the clean sheets aren't quite there. And if you watch them as well, like Trent is now having his turn in terms of being an attacking asset. And Robbo is now having quiet time. Um, I, I, just, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm probably going to just shift him for the time being. Um, but this isn't the week to do it, as you said, with a few of your moves. So there you go. There you go. Right, uh, that's your lot for this very short edition. We were Who Got the Assist. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Yeah, only 24 hours or so shelf life to this particular pod. So we will be back on Thursday night for another edition uh, with another one of these very quick uh, roundups of the Premier League midweek matchups. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to send on some correspondence for not this Thursday's pod, but one of the other ones, who got the assist at gmail.com. Uh, poems audio songs we'll take songs we haven't had a song yet i'd love someone with a guitar riff or something just singing about cancello or something that'd be great uh not specifically that but anything like that would be great uh, so yeah who got the assist at gmail.com that's all one word yeah that would be good um so we've got another as i said quick one on thursday very similar to this uh, but next monday we've got simon march on uh, for a behavioral science pod uh, which should be very very good fun uh, classic wta heartland doing it differently to everybody else in the meantime let's assist you have a good midweek and we'll speak to you on thursday best of luck to the builders who are uh, sorting out the 5g tower near nicks <laughs> big big week <laughs> he may be back as well all right goodbye oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist Podcast Network.